Oh, I'm back to my terrible handwriting notes today. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Dan. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we discuss puzzle games and puzzling movies. Today, we are going to talk about a movie that is one Darren has mentioned a couple times in the podcast, and I sent him a message, I think last week, and said, should we just do an episode on <laughs> Akira Kurosawa's dreams? Because you keep mentioning the parade scene, which I had not seen this before. This is the first time that I have seen it. It is written and directed by Akira Kurosawa. It is from 1990. He would have been roughly about 80 years old when this came out. It is a two-hour movie, almost exactly. I think it's one hour and 59, if you include the credits. As far as ratings, 7.7 .7 on IMDb, which is quite good. On Rotten Tomatoes, critics were about 67% and audience at 86%. It wasn't that well received at Cannes when, they, when, they, when it dropped. <laughs> it didn't do well at all, yeah. I can understand. Yeah, uh, actually, the budget was $12 million for this film. And it grossed 1.9 in the US and Canada and 2.9 worldwide. Yeah. I understand. I get it. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I say, I'm not a big fan. Mm. I'm really not. I thought it would be. Well, I love this film. Let's just put that right out on the table. Because I, I think I suggested this like years ago as well. I can see why this is definitely much more your kind of movie than it would be mine. This has so many of my pet peeves in it. That <laughs> like long drawn out scenes. <laughs> Yeah, number of things. So long drawn out scenes. The technical aspect of this one is not great. I will get into that more when we get into the spoiler section, but mm. some of it just was bad. I would say not just TV movie bad, but like cheap TV movie bad. <laughs> there are some really amazingly beautiful things in here too, which is what makes it worth watching at least once. Mm -hmm. But story-wise, it's very weak. It is... A movie that is really just vignettes that yeah. don't really connect in any way. They are just as I believe it says in the movie, dreams he's had and now he's putting them on screen. Yeah, there's basically eight, eight vignettes of him. He's in each scene pretty much and that is it. So it doesn't have to make a lot of sense and it, and it doesn't. <laughs> and, uh, and like you said, yeah. There's some favourites of mine. You probably know which ones are my favourites already. I could take a guess. I, I don't know if not, you want to jump into that, that yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I will introduce each one and say whether or not I think this is a good one. <laughs> visual effects by ILM. I was kind of like, what visual effects were there? Not many. And the ones that were, I was like, ILM? Really? <laughs> Again, we'll get into that. We'll get into the spoiler section. It's a tough one for me to recommend because I just don't really enjoy it. It is very long. It is very drawn out for what is eight super short stories. And the stories don't necessarily follow story format no and there's really no not much connection between each one either the thing that i even watching it i've watched this movie i don't know maybe 10 times but even watching it watching it yesterday for the podcast i was looking for like okay what could be a hidden meaning but for a lot of them there just isn't it's because a lot of it is quite just like blatantly in your face yeah which is my other pet peeve which I will, I guess, go ahead and warn people about now. The movie is incredibly preachy. In some parts, yeah. In about half the parts, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, probably <laughs> half of it, yeah. Yeah, so i say about half of them are very preachy, and even the ones that aren't kind of are. Hmm. There's really only a couple that aren't, that don't have that kind of 
hey, here's this message, which apparently is something I didn't know. I've only seen a few of Kurosawa's films, most of them being samurai films. I guess there was a period or throughout his career, a time where he was just too much about getting the message out as opposed to telling the story. And that's what a lot of the critics said about this one. I mean, that's maybe part of the reason why it took Steven Spielberg to go to Warner Brothers to actually get this movie funded because Japanese producers and executives wouldn't give Kurosawa money for this. Partly to blame on, supposedly to blame on Kurosawa's kind of elitism, uh, partly to blame on they saw him as pandering to the West, kind of forgetting his roots, and also partly because of his preachiness for his like opposition against nuclear power, which is a weird one. Because that certainly came back in 2012 with the Fukushima disaster. So it wasn't wasn't too far out there with one of his stories, but... Two, and, well... Or two of yeah, actually, it's two <laughs> of them, yeah. But yeah, so basically Steven Spielberg was like, look, I'll get this movie made. And so him, George Lucas, Scorsese got together and were like, okay, we'll make it happen. Well, you like it. Worked, worked out well for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with that, though, I think it's time to go ahead and get into it. I would recommend watching it in a way that you can speed up some of the slow parts because some of the slow parts are really long. Yeah, they are. I wouldn't. I'd say either watch it as intended or don't. Don't don't skip through it and don't fast forward and don't watch anything at double speed. That's not how the movie is intended to be watched. This is why I like Walking Sims because I can, I'm patient. I can sit through that. And if you can sit through that, then don't watch this. That's his recommendation. I'm going to recommend speed through some of the boring stuff. You're not going to make it through otherwise if you're like me. Yeah. With that though, here it is, your spoiler warning. All right, let's start with Dream 1, Sunshine Through the Rain. There is a title card that says, Once I Had a Dream. Yeah, all of these are dreams. And once I had another dream. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I mean, I don't know because I can't read the actual text. I can only read the subtitled text. The subtitled text that we had a lot of times gave titles to certain vignettes and others that didn't. But the subtitle text that came at the bottom would just say, another dream, another dream, another dream. It didn't really say anything specific about it. I think that perhaps the subtitlers that we got added those. But the segment names, I think, are found elsewhere. Yeah, I've got them written down here. So from 1 to 8, they're called Sunshine Through the Rain, The Peach Orchard, The Blizzard, The Tunnel, Crows, Mount Fuji in Red, The Weeping Demon, and 8, The Village of the Watermills. Yeah. Well, let's begin with Dream 1. Sunshine Through the Rain. Bit of a problem here. This is probably, in my opinion, the best of them. I like this one. And it's great to start off strong, but really, I could just watch this one and be done. (laughs) (laughs) 10 minutes and 48 seconds, I timed it, yeah. Okay, that's the short, short movie done. I love the weird scenario for this. I love sort of what's happening We have a little boy who walks out, it starts raining, but it's still sunny. The mother says, foxes have their wedding processions in weather like this. Don't go looking for them. They won't like it. And then runs off. Of course he does. Yeah. Well, she runs off (laughs) and then he runs off. Absolutely beautiful shot in the woods here. I don't know if they used a filter to make this work, but the way the greens... And the sort of reddishness of the trees pop out. It's just really, really good. The trickling of rain coming through the trees looks beautiful. And of course, he's eventually... takes a long time to get there. 
he's eventually going to see the procession. Now, the procession, I suppose this is a much more traditional style. Mm -hmm. Certainly the dress is, but also the masks, I'm assuming, are as well. Because they don't look much like foxes to me. No, no, it's just uh, a representation of a fox, I would suppose. But even as a representation, it's a little weak. They just all have reddish mustaches, basically. Kind of whiskers Mm. and white faces. Yeah. Maybe they're meant to be white foxes. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the difference. But where I come from, we don't really have them. Well, I don't think they were supposed to be literal foxes. But, I mean, I I don't know. I saw it as theatre... Yeah, I wasn't expecting an actual fox to walk, like a CGI fox to walk down the aisle. I'm not expecting that, but I am expecting the mask to look more fox-like. A snout as opposed to just what looks like a nose and mouth. It's very beautiful. It does take a while. It's a little slow, but this is the type of thing that you would love. Yeah, yeah. I loved how slow it was. Watching this again, like, we're in the spoiler section anyway, but... What I like about this is how they start with this. I don't know where this was supposed to go in the movie, but I like that they put it at the start because this procession of a wedding, which is supposed to be a happy time, is so slow and sad compared to the procession we get at the end of the movie, which is a funeral, which is vibrant and happy. And so the two kind of juxtapose each other, I I guess. There's kind of a bookend framing to everything. And it's about the only real connection through most of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really slow, but I remember, I remember seeing this for the first time and just being like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you saw it the first time? I saw this basically back in the day when I was probably in my 20s. Channel 4 used to show a bunch. Channel 4 is like our kind of, well, it used to be our kind of indie channel, I suppose. There's a lot of weird stuff on Channel 4, especially like after 12 o'clock at night. They would always show kind of foreign films at night. And this was one of the ones that was on Channel 4. My friend VHS taped this and we watched it. He's like, you got to see this. <laughs> and so, you know, he knows what I'm on about. And so, yeah, we watched it and it was just great. But yeah, I remember watching this scene and it's like, it's like it's so slow. It's like painfully slow almost. But the music is really cool. And I was into that kind of stuff. I was like, I love the Akira soundtrack. And like we were listening to like Gamelan music and stuff like that. And yeah, this was just like a really cool soundtrack. I bought the soundtrack for this movie as well. Yeah, I just I just really like this this scene. But like, I just love at the end how he's like runs back home and the mum's like, "Oh, you saw the foxes. Now you've got to kill yourself." Yeah. <laughs> so let me do that one a little bit more detail because I mean that's the the gist of it. I didn't really like how he was caught looking because honestly, from the way the boy was kind of lamely hiding behind the tree, it seems like he should have been spotted way earlier, mm. and then. The parade just stops and the boy runs away and you're just meant to infer that he was seen. But I didn't get any sort of close-ups that would indicate, oh, this one is looking and he sees the boy. Like Some sort of movie making that would have made this work better, the storytelling work better here. And maybe that's part of my problem here is I love Yojimbo. I love Seven Samurai. And I know Kurosawa knows a lot of storytelling tricks to make things work. Mm -hmm. And it's like he either forgot how or didn't bother. I'm not sure. And it just is very frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, he will go home. She will give him a knife and say, the foxes saw you. One of their representatives came by. He was very angry. I think that you're meant to use this to kill yourself. I would suggest you go find them and apologize, give the knife back, 
It probably won't work, but <laughs> sorry, kids. <laughs> it's worth a try. You uh, you can't come in here though yeah. until you've done that. So uh, now, see you later. Go and walk in that field so we can get the the cover shot for the VHS. <laughs> she locks the gate, and the boy will go off into what looks almost like Wizard of Oz beauty. The flowers, the rainbow in the background, absolutely excellent. And yeah, of course, it should be the cover because mm. this is amazing. However, this is where it ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we have no idea whatever happens to the boy. And I was waiting through the whole thing, <laughs> oh expecting that this is the framework or mm. like the bookend story. And at the end, we're going to get the boy going back to the foxes. Oh, but no. No, it's literally a story of dreams, like eight dreams, yeah. And it's a shame because this could have been, in and of itself, an interesting kids movie, an interesting story. Wasted opportunity, in my opinion. Because for me, the rest of the movie, not so great. Dream 2, Peach Trees. I'm going to assume you love this one. I like this one. It's not my favorite one. No, I'm not going to say it's your favorite one. I'm going to say you really like this one because of the visuals. Yeah. I like this one because at least it tells a full story. Mm -hmm. I don't really like the story much, but I do appreciate it, and it has lots of visuals. I would say probably the first one is my favorite, just because of the crazy story, Mm -hmm. and I want more. Dream 2, I don't want more, but I respect it more as a story because, like I said, it's complete. It has beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. Beginning is... A girl with her friends, the little boy runs in with snacks for them. He says, oh, weren't there six of you? I made stuff for six. After staring at the dolls for a while. (laughs) Getting some music, yeah. Getting some some foreshadowed music. (laughs) The sister says, get out of here. There weren't six of us. Mm -hmm. As he goes to leave, there's another girl. He says, there she is. They open the door. She's gone. Yeah. That's fun trickery there. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that was all just one shot so they must have hidden her as the camera was looking away you've got then the boy chasing her because he sees her again and he starts chasing after her and then just rows and rows of people in traditional dress and all like layered up a hill up the side of a hill and they scold the boy how dare you cut down this peach orchard and the boy says no no i didn't want the trees cut down and the one woman i guess the queen Mm -hmm. defends him and says no he cried he didn't want them to be torn down and the little boy says of course i don't want to be torn down you can buy peaches in the store but you can't buy the beauty of the orchard in bloom yeah and the king or emperor whoever it is who seems to be in charge says all right we like you kid Let's show it to you one more time in Bloom. So they do this whole dance number, which, again, beautiful because just the scope of it. Huge, huge shot, man. Yeah. And you also have, I don't know if they're real flower petals, but a ton of the pink Kind of peach blossoms or cherry blossoms, whatever. Come flying in. Then you get to see the whole orchard in Bloom. And then, boom, hard cut to they're all cut down. Yeah, except one. Except one, because the little girl had come running through as it was in bloom, and it's all cut down, except for her, who I assume has become... Like a little peach sapling. Yeah. Mm. But in bloom as well, so pink and beautiful. Really nice, like I said, kind of beginning, middle, end. It's again, it feels a little preachy. I don't understand what's going on here. 
Did they cut down the peach trees just because they were tired of them? Did they cut them down because they want to build houses here? It feels like there's meant to be a message, but I'm not quite getting it other than we should protect nature. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote down here. I was like, meaning protect nature? Question mark. Because this is quite sad. It's like, so he gets to see it again, but it's just, it's a dream within a dream almost where he just gets to see it again. And no, 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 actually the, the reality is, no, we're still, we're all dead. But yeah, I mean, I, did, I definitely didn't see this one as preachy, not as much as the other, as, as no. a couple of the other ones. But this is the level you can get away with me. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, it's a nice story. Like, oh, you only appreciate a good thing when it's gone. Was it just me or is the camera really shaky in this one? I noticed this as well. One thing I noticed is, A, doesn't help having subtitles on screen because you've got this visual focal point that bobs up and down when you're reading the subtitles. But even when the subtitles weren't on in between speaking, there's quite a noticeable wobble, isn't there? I don't know. This is always one of those things where I'm never sure, are we just getting like a bad copy of a bad copy somehow? Right. Or is this what it actually looked like? This is one that I can't say for sure, but our copy at least or maybe was it intentional? I, thought, I mean, even maybe. No, I just think that that looked like sloppy camera work. Right, right. It's really bad. Again, maybe it's a problem of, is our version one of those that was done off of a VHS that had a wobbly spot or something? So mm. I won't say that for sure. Listeners, if you watched, if you've noticed, you would notice this. It was... Yeah, especially blatant. especially in this in This, this is the only one I really noticed yeah, it. It was heavy. Let us know. I would like to think that it's just our version is a bad copy mm. and there are better versions out there. I really would like to think that. I'd like to think that about a lot of the stuff of this one. The lighting in this one is probably the first one where I went, it's not great. Like the outside stuff just looked like they were taking advantage of a sunny day. Mm -hmm. It didn't have movie lighting. Right. <laughs> and that didn't feel great, especially in this where you would expect some sort of movie trickery, I would expect when those other people appear or when the little girl appears that there would be something to indicate that they aren't the same. Mm -hmm. There should be fuzzy edges or something different with the lighting or a filter. Maybe they did that, but it just didn't show prominently enough. So Sybil Shepherd from Moonlighting? <laughs> but yeah, this was a bit disappointing from the technical lighting and camera aspect and i would say kind of for me the rest of them are as well but let's go ahead and get into then dream three the blizzard this is the most boring one i think maybe the tunnel but this one is definitely i love this one this is one of my favorites i would not have guessed that I'll, i really this would is not. the one that really got me into this movie i love this this whole scene i love the music i love everything about this this whole vignette it's fantastic it's just four men caught in a blizzard, and they're about to freeze to death, and a sort of deity ghost. Maybe this is something in traditional folklore, but basically this woman says... the to murder them. The snow is warm, the ice is burning hot, you're totally fine, and puts this blanket over him. And he wakes up and says, oh no, we're about to die. Hey, everybody, get up. Yeah. We need to make it to camp. Oh, camp's right there. And there's also this... I hate the music at the end, though. There's also this <laughs> stock footage shot of a mountain, which is clearly not where they are at all. Yeah. I've seen this story before. I've read this story before. 
in multiple places this kind of, oh, we're about to die if we could only just make it. Now, normally, only the one guy would make it, and that's what I'm used to. This one, we're all four make it, and it's happy. It's a bit like we were here forever. Uh, we're not going to talk specifically about the ending, but we wanted a bit more, and it feels the same here. Their camp is about three quarters under snow. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure they actually survive. Yeah, I think I think for me, though, it's the music that makes this whole scene work for me. I love that kind of... I don't even know how you would describe that music. It's like some kind of haunting woman just kind of wailing almost like it's it's really creepy and cool I, I love the music for this this whole scene and just that interaction but the thing is that's the only part that i like i don't i don't like the end of this i hate that that weird music that they put in at the end like the weird trumpet music or something like it sounds like the king's arrival music on a trumpet it's just i don't know it's that i hate that <laughs> do you also hate the opening then when it's long long minutes of them breathing and trying to walk through the snow and him trying to encourage them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm not a huge fan of the beginning either. But it takes you getting through that to get to the middle part. And if you just jump to the middle part, then it wouldn't have... I mean, maybe you could do it differently. Who knows? It doesn't It doesn't exist. Maybe in a parallel universe, there's another Akira Kurosawa's dreams. They just jump straight to the good bits. But you need that. You need to, you need to walk through that really slow, laborious breathing and just him chained to his comrades, trying to drag them up a mountain, literally. But yeah, no, no I, I love this. I love this scene, and it's the one that's that's really stuck with me the most. I would not have guessed that. It's not I my favourite, but I like it a lot. I think I would understand you like the middle part, but I would have thought the rest of it would be, like, for me, enough to go, there's not enough good here to... Uh, but especially the ending. I just don't like that. It's like, what's, what's that? <laughs> I get it. It's happy, but okay, whatever. We get then into dream four, the tunnel. Mm -hmm. A man in army uniform, but kind of beat up, bit disheveled. He's about to enter a tunnel as a dog comes out and barks at him. The dog, I think, has grenades. Yeah, he's an anti-tank. It's an anti-tank dog. He gets to the other side. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and then a dead private that he was commander of, walks out and talks to him. Walks slowly out and talks to him. The private asks if he is truly dead. Like, am I really dead? But I remember getting my mother's cooking for that one last time. And the commander says, no, that's what you said when you were dying. I remember you're basically reliving your dying moment again in your head. The private says, oh, this is my hometown. They live right over there. They're still waiting for me. And the commander says, no, you've got to go back. You can't come here. Then a whole platoon will come out slowly. Yeah. Did it sound like a train to you at first? No. Uh, I thought that it did. So I was kind of trying to make a bit of connection between this one and the next one. Ah, uh, okay. But they come out, again, very slowly. They talk to him. He says, I'm sorry, you're all dead. I feel guilty about it. I should have died too. But you can't stay, go back. So they turn around. He makes them go back. Yeah, he, yeah. he orders them. Which I'll, is kind of a good thing, because it's like, basically, this is all about, I don't know, like, regret and cowardice, maybe. It's like, rather than him facing his fear and dealing with this, he just commands them, basically, to about face and march away from him. So he doesn't actually solve the problem. He just delays the problem. So it's going to keep coming back for him. What's the problem? Guilt. Remorse. Yeah, he's always going to feel guilty. But what do you do to fix that? 
well, I mean, you have to deal with it. He's, he's not dealing with it. That's the whole. Uh, that's that's what I get from that. And that's what the dog is. The dog is something that just when he doesn't solve the problem at the end, the dog comes back to keep pushing him forward through the next tunnel, I guess, until he confronts his his guilt about basically sending all these men to their deaths. Simple as that. I didn't get that at all. I got him talking to them was him dealing with it, and now he's done. So I didn't understand why the dog came at the end. Uh, it's also, like you say, meant to be an anti-tank dog. This isn't a dog to, like, kill him. But yeah. I did wonder if he was going to die because of the dog at the end. I had no idea what was going on. Weird-sounding dog. And it's just nothing but talking in this one. And slowly, it, it's the speeches from Attack on Titan, but with... I understand that there's probably real meaning here for Kurosawa, who had to live through wars mm-hmm. and understands a lot of what that was like. But to me, it doesn't really have much. I'm glad it isn't longer. I'm glad they didn't try to make a whole movie out of this. But I mean, it, it just, is one of the longest ones, though. It's almost 18, 20 minutes long, this one. It just doesn't hit the mark for me. It's missing something. Because, I mean, it doesn't. But the thing is, and this is probably my weakest one. It's my second weakest one is that you could have replaced those soldiers with literally any infantry from the world. It's not a a special story. It's just, oh, we just all went into battle and we died. I think that's what we're missing. I think we're missing the backstory. What did the commander do? Was the commander cowardly? Was he ineffective in what he was doing? Without that, this is any commander's story. Yeah, exactly. And it is one of the longest ones in the whole film. So it's like, what did you do with that time? Filled it up with marching through tunnels. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. On to Dream 5, Crows, or the Vincent Van Gogh episode. There's a man admiring the works of Van Gogh in an exhibit. He's looking at a painting of a bridge. Then he appears in the bridge. The bridge, now that he's in the world, it looks real as though it's stone, but it's been painted to look like the painting. It is really beautiful and all on a whole another level from most of the rest of the stuff that's been done in this movie. This is the part that Industrial Light and Magic helped with. George Lucas actually was on set for a lot of this as well. Yeah, it's amazing because all the all these scenes, I've seen the making of, of this and they're all hand-painted. You know, they're, they went through and they built these giant sets where the guy could run through and they painted the whole lot. It's just like even Kurosawa's on set, he's like painting bits of the road Obviously, the parts in the kind of dream state, not the actual fields that he's walking through at the start to find Vincent van Gogh, who's played by Scorsese. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Not good. (laughs) (laughs) Stick stick to directing. Yeah, I kind of felt that way too, but I didn't know if it was really his fault or if this is the direction. There really wasn't much to do with the scene either. I mean, what I got from it, especially from watching the kind of the making of this part is... He got Scorsese to play a part. He's just like, yep, that's good enough for me. <laughs> didn't Obviously didn't do any retakes or whatever. Maybe, maybe a couple, but it seemed to be a once and done kind of thing. This is a weird preachy bit where Vincent just goes off on him and says, how can you not be painting right now? This is so beautiful. I have to devour the nature and put it onto the painting. And the painter says, what do you do then? Well, I have to work on my next painting. I have to keep going. I'm like a locomotive. So they keep playing train sounds yeah and the music to this is really good because this is like rain raindrop by chopin and this is a really cool bit of music i like the music that goes with this i didn't see this as preachy van well gogh, van I... gogh was a prolific painter and he did it as part of his therapy i think you know so he had to paint 
And I, I get that. I It's not like there's a message here. It's just like... I think there is. I think there's a message to creative people out there. Oh, you say you want to do this. Well, you should just be doing it. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to be like me, you have to do it as though it is your life. And I think that there's a bit of that there. And I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do love the bit where he says, oh... You're injured. He said, yeah, I was doing my self-portrait, but I couldn't get the ear right, so I cut it off. <laughs> Chucked it away. <laughs> a little bit of a different take on the whole ear thing. Then Van Gogh just leaves. Our guy goes chasing after him and just starts running through all of Vincent's work. Yeah. But <laughs> in what feels like the old... It's kind of like the old style, let's put people into animated movies type of thing. The old... Right, yeah. Bed knobs and broomsticks. There's a Tom and Jerry movie that was done this way. Locked screen, man running through. Does not actually look like he belongs there. Yeah. I didn't know what they were really trying to do here. Maybe to say that he's trying to find Van Gogh through his work. Mm-hmm. But it's basically going to end with him getting to a point where he nearly catches up with Vincent. But then the crows emerge and then we come out into that painting. End of dream. Yeah. I just like how not all of them are great. Like, not all of the paintings are created equally in that. It's like some of them you can tell, like, we've got a day to make this one. <laughs> like, guys, let's, let's let's slap this together. But some of them are great because it's just like, just slathered in oil painting or oil paints and paper mache, you know? It's like, it's really, I, I love this. I love this. Yeah. Which leads us to... Well, I just want to say, I'm not that big of a fan of this. I'm not even that big of a fan of Loving Vincent. I think that Loving Vincent visually if you haven't seen it is absolutely amazing and the way they did it hand painting it frame by frame is just astounding i can't believe they actually did that pulled that off it looks great just the story for loving vincent doesn't work as well for me i've not seen that maybe i should though i think you should i think that you will love it visually but like i said the story for me just doesn't really go anywhere also it was was at this point where i realized the guy who's playing kurosawa from now on, well, actually from the tunnel from now on until the end, who he is. Have you seen, I think it's pronounced Kasharn. Have you seen Kasharn? No, I haven't. He's in that. But I didn't, obviously I saw Dreams before Kasharn came out and it wasn't until I watched this again recently. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. (laughs) I recognize him from something else. I don't know. Maybe you should watch that. It's interesting. Is he meant to be the same character throughout? Yeah, I think it is the same guy. Is it? Because I mean, every every single one is is Kurosawa. The boy is Kurosawa for the peaches and the fox wedding. Kurosawa is the he's supposed to be one of the team of the. You don't see him, but I think he's one of the team of the Blizzard. He's the commander in the tunnel. He's the and then he's the he's the man basically throughout all of them from now on. Okay, this is basically Kurosawa at different points of his life. So this is him because Kurosawa wanted to be a painter. And he was going to be a painter. And then something happened and he got into directing and then subsequently into writing his own stuff. But yeah, he very much wanted to be a painter. So this is probably a dream he had when he was trying to be, make it as a painter. Dream 6, Mount Fuji in red. There is an evacuation happening. Our main character just sort of appears in the middle of it and goes, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> much like a dream, yeah. There are fires behind Mount Fuji, but they look, awful they're like the worst of like godzilla level explosions that's what i was gonna say like they're the worst but not like there are different levels of godzilla movie clearly and this is like the cheapest worst ones power rangers explosions then yeah or uh, gamera 
Yeah. Right? It's that kind of level. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> There's no way out because Japan is so small, we are told. At the end, there are four remaining. Apparently, everybody else has just jumped into the sea. It was a nuclear power plant explosion. A man says, and I should also be punished or something. We know he's very involved with it because he describes every color of the fumes and how they will die. Yeah, the red ones do this and the purple ones do this. It was just... (laughs) Watching this was more of a nightmare than probably actually being in it. (laughs) There's a woman with, I think, a child who's trying to protect them. The man from the power plant disappears. I think we see him jump into the sea or something. He, you don't see him jump. Basically, Kurosawa turns around and then the woman screams and then we cut back and he's gone. And then you see like his handkerchief or something floating down the side of the, the cliff. And then our main character tries to fan the fumes away futilely with a jacket or something. I like that because that, I mean, that, that gives, the, gives it meaning. It's like no matter what the odds are, no matter how futile it is, He's going to try to stay alive and to protect this woman and her two kids. What I was thinking, though, was, dude, you're going to hit that poor kid in the face with a zip or something like that. Like, you're, you're just swinging that thing around. Like, honestly, if you watch that, like, some of those are close calls. <laughs> you can see the woman, like, covering the kid's face because he's just swinging this jacket all over the place. This one, though, is the most preachy with nothing in it. There's nothing here that I really want to see. This is like one of my dreams when I wake up and tell my wife, like, oh, I had this weird dream. I can't remember who it was. It was a comedian. And they said, listen, no one wants to hear your dreams. <laughs> like, they're boring to everybody else. Yeah, keep that stuff to yourself. But yeah, this is just like really nothing. This is one of my least favorite. In fact, this might be my least favorite one. Have you ever seen a movie called Birdemic? <laughs> yes. All right. Do you remember the man who they randomly encounter who is an expert in environmental yeah, I know exactly issues. what you're talking about, yeah. That's what this felt like. <laughs> in fact, a lot of these kind of feel a bit like that. We're going to stop the movie dead for about 15 minutes so this guy can talk about Tell global warming. Yeah. This just felt like such a waste of time. And it leads into Weeping Demon, the next dream, which feels almost the same. It's but at least there are two visual things that are somewhat interesting. Giant dandelions? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And pools of red blood. I don't know what they are. Those are probably worth seeing. At least you have a character here who's a demon and not just a guy from a power plant going, oh, I was very terrible for wanting to give the world power. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the man is going to walk in. Our main character. He's going to see a demon. It basically looks like a lava field, which is probably what it is, where they're filming. We are told the radiation mutated everyone. That's why this guy has a horn. There is a class society. The more horns you have, the better you are. So the two horns are probably going to eat this guy, who is a one horn. You get to see the giant dandelions, the only flowers left in this amazing flower field. Of course they are. Bloody weeds. (laughs) The demon is in pain and he wants it to end. He gets incredibly preachy talking about all of the stuff that we wasted, how he as a farmer wasted gallons of milk because he wanted to drive the price up, Mm -hmm. which does still happen to this day. Yeah. He leads the man to look down on the red pools. All the other demons are howling. It's somewhat like an imitation of a Bosch painting. Mm -hmm. Then you have him get more in pain, and he yells at the man, and the man runs off. 
Dynamite for a long time. And that's the end. Yeah. What do you think of this one? Yeah. I don't like this one. I kind of thought you would like it just because of the demons howling by oh, the right. red pools. I did think, I, well, what I did think when I watched that, I was like, that would be really fun to be on set for that. I was like, all right, everybody, just scream in agony for 20 minutes and we'll shoot this. <laughs> It'd be really funny to do that. If you watch the screen, I watched this a couple of times, even last night, just like looking off at the corners where they weren't focused to see what they were doing. You know, there's some guys that just, they're phoning it in. <laughs> it's really quite funny. This one and the Mount Fuji are my two least favorite ones in the whole thing, which is good because I really like eight, which is why I'm always harping on about it. Every time I get a chance, I love, I love the last one. Well, let's be honest. Do you really like the last one or do you just like the parade? I like the, well, I love the parade. Yeah, um, I know that. But <laughs> as preachy as Power Plant Man was and Horn Demon previous farmer was, nobody is as preachy as the old man from Village of the Watermills. But he's right. We need, all need clean air and clean water. And yes. We're, and we're messing up the earth. And yeah, totally, I, I agree with it. It's not preachy to me. It's right and it's not, though. Let's get some things clear here. Let's talk about the fact that he's preaching that, oh, well, without science, if we were all living by nature, the lady who died was 99 and 103 and totally fine and spry. <laughs> well, yeah. It's all that fish in your diet. And also, no medicines that science has created. But I, I, yeah, obviously, there's one, there is one point where he's like, he's saying something about science. He's like, oh, science is bad. But then it's like, Dude, you're making a water wheel. That's science. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I get it. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for science, but I'm not all for big factories polluting waters and things like that and dumping waste everywhere and the mountains of trash and plastic that's in the ocean. So yeah, I can meet them halfway on this at least. I, I get it. Nature is good. Big industry, bad. Let's all slow down on the pollution and let's have a nice life. I like it. I love this. I love this one. But yeah. The funeral procession is the icing on the cake. Well, all right, but look, <laughs> he's also promoting zero electricity. <laughs> well, I couldn't handle that. Yeah, Sorry, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm not living in that village. I'll, I'll live till I'm 80. You take 20 years off my life, but give me my PC. <laughs> That's, to me, where it goes too far. It's the promotion of, we should go back to zero technology, which we're telling you through a movie that we're hoping will make money. <laughs> but didn't. <laughs> But still, that's the idea. Or we want you to see our story using all this technology. And let's be real here. I'm sure that whatever you did to make the pools of red blood and so many of the other things you did to make the film were not necessarily environmentally friendly either. It's very preachy because that's all it's doing. This may as well just be documentary. And give me facts. Don't base it on some sort of mythical village where people who are natural live till they're 99 unless that's the idea mm -hmm. but just pushing the information out to me as though you're my teacher in front of the classroom is not entertaining it's not going to get the information into me any better than anything else what i need if this is what you're trying to do is you need to give me facts and not just this is how i feel it should be which in essence is me saying you need to use science to prove the science is bad. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that when you take away science, I mean, this is, again, a lot of this one is my personal peeves. It's slow. It's preachy. It's just talking to me. It's not giving me facts. 
It's not giving me a story. So it's not giving me any of the stuff that I really want here. Mm -hmm. And so I would almost separate this from the parade because the parade is very interesting and Mm -hmm. very beautiful. But this is just something I would skip every time from now on if I'm watching it. Right. It's just hitting me on all the wrong levels. And I just don't appreciate it. And I think that when you start talking anti-science, as this feels to me, that's not the right way forward. We are not, as a society, all going to go back to just living on water mills and plowing with the fat of the land, plowing with cows and horses, as he mentions. We need to find a way to do and. It is not this or that. We need to find a way to have the science and that. I also personally feel we would stagnate as a society if we stopped moving forward. Well, I mean, a lot of people would die. We've got 7 billion people on the planet to feed for a start. You ain't going to do that with a bunch of cows plowing. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of great things. So you have to look at it more as what can we do to keep progressing, but how can we do it with as little harm as possible? And that's what I took away from this as well. It's like, I'm on my side of the fence, which is pro-science, and he's on his side of the fence, which is pro-nature. Yeah, I'll meet you somewhere in the middle. And that's what I got from it. It's like, yeah, you tell me your argument from your side. I've got my argument from my side. But I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, of course, we need to stop polluting waters. We need clean air, clean water. That's If we don't have that, then we're all going to be dead. Anyway, it doesn't matter what science is going to do for us. You know, We'll all be dead. And then the, the rats and roaches will take over. You know, maybe. This will lead us then to the parade. The old man says, what, are you surprised that we would have a happy sound? We celebrate life. We aren't sad by death or something along those lines. Yeah, except when it comes to young people. But this woman was my first love. She left me for another. How old was she? She was 99. And how old are you, sir? I'm 103, which again is me thinking, well, take away the science and the medicine. (laughs) That doesn't happen so much. Yeah. Then you get the parade. The parade is... Beautiful, it's fun, and that's kind of it. I mean, without really describing it in an audio form, I just don't think that I could properly do it justice. Uh, yeah, it's very colorful. It's got this cool build-up, and it, it, it kind of goes quiet, and then it comes back in full force, and it's very loud, and there's flower petals flying everywhere, and a big brass band playing. and Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely beautiful. I love the parade, yeah. The parade actually is what made me buy the soundtrack because I used to put the I used to put the VHS on, but I used to have to fast forward to this bit just to hear the music, you know, back in the nineties or not in the nineties. It would have been like yeah, nineteen. I probably saw this in like nineteen ninety eight. I think. Why didn't you just rewind it just to before the parade? Because we always well, I mean, we always watched it and then rewind it back to the beginning, you know, because we were gonna you know be kind rewind kind of thing, you know. So you don't have to do that if you own it. Yeah, but I. I love this, and I love the crows, and I like the first one as well. So I like the fox parade, crows in the middle. So basically, I'd have to watch the whole bloody thing to get all the bits that I liked. (laughs) As far as the parade, I think this is why most people remember this movie. Mm -hmm. I think that people who think fondly of this movie, it is probably because of the two parade scenes. Like you said, they sort of frame each other in the stories. I think that that does work pretty well. The man picks some flowers and leaves them on the stone by the bridge, which is, as we were told by the old man, to commemorate some stranger who died on his way into the village. And then our main character walks off. So he doesn't stay in the no science village. He takes off. Yeah. But it's fun to visit for a while, I guess. 
then we get credits of running water for the entire time, which is kind of interesting. It doesn't fade to black or anything like that. It's just like there for the whole thing. Weird. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It was inter- I was just like, when is this going to stop? Is it, when is it going to go away? It's like, no, it stays right to the very end. Again, though, it's fine. And it's a nice way to do it, but it does feel very TV movie. Much like the end of Peach Trees, the weird freeze frame of the kid's face. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is something from, like, late 70s, early 80s TV movie style. Maybe he had been watching some of those and went, oh, this is what I'm going to do. The lighting on Village of Watermills, again, just seems to be natural lighting. Nothing seems to be done to make it seem magical, otherworldly, or even like it's a movie. Mm. Yeah, same with, uh, even with Crows as well, with the Van Gogh one, it's just all natural lighting. But the thing was that I noticed as well, there was maybe two or three things that really jumped out at me. One was that freeze frame but bit of Peach Trees, where it's just like, it's like the end of an 80s comedy. It's weird. What a weird choice. The second one was the way that the, they lit the tank dog. It's like someone's just got like a red filter in front of a flashlight and it's just pointing at the dog. And it's got this red glowing under its fur and on its belly. What an odd choice, an odd choice for lighting. And I'm not very much of a technical person when it comes to films. I just watch them and let them kind of wash over me. But that really stuck out for me. I was like, that's a weird, it just looks weird. Uh, so yeah, those were my two main gripes. And then the shakiness of the camera in some of the scenes was a bit strange. But yeah, and so there you go. Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. Yeah, which for me did not work. I didn't really enjoy it. I don't think I'd ever watch it again unless... <laughs> I've seen I it had, so many times, man. Unless I'd have a specific reason to watch it again or something specific I wanted to use mm. in reference to something else. But it's just not my style. I'm glad you appreciate it. I'm glad you love it. You still love it the same as you always have. Yeah, it was good to watch it again, man. It was good to watch it again. I haven't, Like I said, I haven't seen it for a good few years, so it was nice to revisit it. But being older now, I do realize the bits that I don't like more, and that is definitely part six and seven. Fuji and Red and the Nuclear Holocaust one, uh, just kind of silly. And almost feels like he didn't write them. <laughs> just like, maybe they were farmed out or something like that. I don't know. It's just they, they, they feel like really, and they feel like they're shot differently as well. They just, they just don't fit for me. I don't know why. They just don't look like they belong there. I don't know if we need to fill in the gaps because they're dreams. And I don't think that they were ever intended to be filled in. The endings for some of them, I mean, I guess we assume that the, Blizzard people survived. Do we think the tunnel guys survived? No, they're all dead. <laughs> no, not not the ones in the tunnel, but the actual no, commander. Yeah. yeah, I think. Well, I think I think that's his rock to push up the mountain, isn't it? It's just like he's just going to keep going, never actually facing up to his his regrets, and just going to keep sending them away from him, not dealing with it. Does the little boy grow up to have a peach orchard in his backyard? I'm sure he does. He's got that one left. And I think that is the good, that's kind of the happy ending of that sad kind of scene is that he's got the one, maybe he's going to take care of it. Maybe that's the chance. Like, maybe the meaning of that is like, you might get a second chance kind of thing, you know? Sort of the end of the Lorax. Mm-hmm. Unless. Yeah. But yeah, the, the movie does end quite kind of wistfully, I suppose. It's like, oh. <laughs> but what about the boy in the foxes? <laughs> I want to know about the boy in the foxes. <laughs> I'm just going to assume he dies. Sure, why not? (laughs) I don't understand. And maybe I'm not supposed to. Even, yeah, even for me, it's like, I want to fill in gaps in this, but it's hard because you haven't given me enough to go with. Because they are just dreams, and it's not like the dreams are even connected, where there's a running story through them. It's just like, here's a dream I had. Doom. Done. 
20 minutes, done. Here's another dream I had. No connection. Doom, done. Well, there it is then. Yep. Gaps filled and more gaps created. Fit for me. I don't know why. They just don't look like they belong there. I think he wrote them, but uh, I don't know. I've got to cut all that out anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm just speaking. No. 